0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Early Childhood Discussions, where we have conscious conversations about early care and education topics with early childhood champions. This podcast comes to you from the Grow New Jersey Kids Technical Assistance Center North, part of the Central Jersey Family Health Consortium. Today, Stephanie and I are joined by our very own Eve Robinson, Program Director of our Technical Assistance Center. Eve was the first person hired for this new department and has been witness to wonderful changes and moves toward greater quality for children when programs participate in Grow New Jersey Kids. In spite of the challenges our field is currently facing, Eve has many reasons for hope for the future of quality childcare in New Jersey, and we are really looking forward to today's conversation. Um, So, Stephanie and I are co-hosts of this podcast. And Stephanie, welcome back. If you want to just introduce yourself and tell our audience a little bit about um, your background for those folks who may be hearing and meeting you for the first time.
1: Yes. Hi, everybody. My name is Stephanie Boyson. I am a senior technical assistant specialist for Grow and J Kids. I started out um, in the beginning of this whole Grow and J Kids process myself as a TA and I now supervise a group of wonderful TAs that work with uh, family child care providers and child care centers. And we're so excited to have Eve on this call with us today. Well, I'm excited to be here.
0: <laughs> yes, we're so happy to have you, Eve. And I'm Lori Hargey, Special Projects Manager with the Growing New Jersey Kids Technical Assistance Center North. And um, I work to support our whole team in operationalizing the special projects that we have. We work as an amazing team to provide lots of helpful resources for people who have made the very vulnerable decision to look at their early childhood programs and work with us as a team to make them. Even even better. So Eve, we are so excited to have you today. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome.
1: So Eve, I'm curious, Um, we've known you for many years and we've heard you talk and be passionate about so many different things um, from early childhood to your community, et cetera. And I'm just wondering what was that one moment or that spark that, uh, you know, change the trajectory of your life, meaning professionally, personally, what was that thing that landed you in your role today? Um, If it's one thing, a situation, what was that? What was your why? And what was your spark?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, You know, I grew up in a family that was very involved in the community. So my father uh, was a pediatrician. So he served children and families uh, for as long as I knew. And my mother was uh, pretty much a community activist. So, you know, you put those two things together and um, I, I wanted to find a place in my life that that worked. Um, so I did work. One thing that sparked me was I did work in my father's office. He, his office was in our home. So I think the other piece of that is that my whole life, children and their parents were coming up our front walk and walking into our home every day. I mean, it was separate, but still they were right there on our front porch. So um, I saw firsthand interactions with young children and with their families. Um, So I wasn't sure where I fit in, um, but I certainly uh, thought that, that that's the direction I should go I was pretty much motivated and inspired to go that way um and interestingly when I was in high school I was able to do what they call a senior project I think today a lot of schools have what's called a senior project when you're a senior in high school you can choose to work outside of school and get an experience and then come back and report on it and um I was able to do that at a child care center in Trenton, New Jersey. And um, this child care center was part of what was in the 60s called anti-poverty programs. You know, in the 60s, we had something called the War on Poverty. Unfortunately, the War on Poverty was overshadowed by a real war that was taking place in, in Vietnam. However, a lot of of early childhood uh, initiatives got started during that, that time, and one of them was child care. As you know, Head Start got its start at that time. Um, this was not a Head Start, but it was a child care center, and I went there to work, and that really was an inspiration for me. I had no idea how to work with children in groups. Uh, I had never seen that ha- happen, and Here's the one little thing, Stephanie. When I was at that childcare center, we went outside to play, and one of the children found a worm. And they all were screaming, ew, ew, ew. And I was brave enough to walk over and pick up the worm and show it to all the children. And I was surprised at myself that I did it. But I think it sparked in me a realization that. I could go beyond and really reach people if I stepped outside of my comfort zone, which was not to touch a worm. Um, So that was, you know, I think that that really got me started.
1: It's so interesting to hear you talk about, you know, your parents and their their passion around what they do. Your mom being an activist, your dad being a pediatrician and and you saying to yourself, where can I Take some of that and put it into my life. And I'm sure that has stuck with you up until now. Right. You, I'm sure you you speak about your parents very highly. I'm sure you that bleeds into everything you do. Mm, yes, it does. And, you know, I, I, it was unfortunate
2: that my uh acumen in science was not up to becoming a medical professional. I, I, When I first started, I thought I would be a pediatric nurse or a pediatric nurse practitioner or, a, if, gosh forbid, even a doctor. I don't think I ever really thought about being a doctor. So I thought I would try that and I was not very good at chemistry. I'll, I'll just admit it right here and now. Chemistry really baffled me. So science was out. And so, um, I, when I was in college, I thought back to that childcare center and I just give you another little tidbit of history. There was no such thing as studying early childhood education. When I went to college, Uh, there was no, I went to a very large state university, not Rutgers, and they had no department of early childhood. The only way I could study early childhood or human development or child development was to make up my own major I had to make up my own major because early childhood was in home economics is what they called it Mm -hmm. and if you wanted to major in home economics you couldn't take other like BA level liberal arts courses so it was really confined yeah really Mm -hmm. confined so I think I got motivated, uh, Stephanie, by that. I got motivated to say, wait a minute, there needs to be a bigger place here for in, in academia and in the community for young children mm-hmm. and studying them,
1: working with them, all of that. The one word and, I thought was trailblazer, because yeah. you clearly had that in your mind of, wait, there's something missing here. And I feel yeah. like that's very early childhood of you you know we're all yeah. trying to be those trailblazers and and create new paths for people so just i just mm-hmm. love that
0: yeah yes and and i really connected with that emergent curriculum aspect of the worm and it just brought me back to my first early childhood experience which also was so career shaping for me i was a you know early in my college years working at a childcare center in new brunswick and shamanda found a worm, and (laughs) we named him, and he became our little classroom mascot for the day, Um, and yet how those those little tiny moments can really set you on the realization that this is what I want to do with my life. Yeah, isn't that something,
2: that it was a worm as well?
0: You know, (laughs) And there was
2: another piece, too, which was all of the people who worked there were from their community and lived in their community. And I got to know them. And I had an experience of of a work experience, you know, and that, too, was motivating to me was I saw teamwork in action. I saw, you know, the teachers and the assistants and the person who worked in the kitchen. And there was a whole array of staff there. And I really Enjoyed that aspect too of seeing what camaraderie there was in early childhood settings.
0: Oh my gosh, Eve, the, you just brought up the most important word of how programs can successfully get into and participate in Grown New Jersey Kids. That whole idea of teamwork.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, there's nothing more important then that strong team that is seeing Grow New Jersey Kids as something that they're going to achieve together. Great. I have
2: that on my list of things to say, so you said it just as well, Uh, but that's where I got it from, was my first experience in a child care center, and, you know, I went on later to recreate that in other places, but That's where I I found it. And I was only 17 or or whatever. And it's interesting because I can't remember another thing from being 17. Let's be honest. How many things do you remember? You know, and and memory is a very tricky thing. Um, And oftentimes we remember the most uh, traumatic types of things that happen. And perhaps the picking up of the worm had some element of trauma for me because I remember it as clear as day. (laughs) I remember it picking it up. And I remember the feeling um, of that. I accomplished something in front of these children. So it's funny because I can't tell you another thing about being 17.
1: (laughs) Now, your your early professional years weren't just limited to New Jersey. I from what I recall, you were in multiple states doing doing the work. Can you kind of summarize those early years for you in your professional life? Yeah, sure, because my professional life
2: actually has spanned several uh, different fields. So um, I did start out in early childhood. As I said, I made up my own major in in college, but um, after college, and I was living in uh, Madison, Wisconsin at that time, so that was Wisconsin. And I, I will say that the experience of being at the University of Wisconsin also connected me to activism. So I always had a connection between whatever job I was doing, whatever field it was in, that I had to be an activist because that's what I I experienced. So I moved to Boston and I wanted to become active as well. And um, I that was when I went through the what should I do with myself phase. And I did get uh, enroll in a um early childhood program I finally found an early childhood program I finally found as Lori knows Wheelock College which was Mm -hmm. it was founded to be a, a kindergarten school to teach people to teach kindergarten which had evolved into an early childhood school I finally found my place I but across the street when I was looking for a place to go was Simmons College and they had a social work program and I was kind of torn. I was like, well, which one should I do? One across the street, the other. Uh, and I decided on on uh, early childhood. And, um, you know, the, 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 then um, when I completed my master's degree in early childhood, I realized that there was very little in the way of a future for someone with a master's in early childhood mm-hmm. in terms of uh, income. In terms of uh, opportunity that was there, mm-hmm. I could work in child care centers and I did. And I because I had the master's was given the job of assistant director instead of a uh, teacher. Uh, but I was the assistant director at a child care center and I loved it. I just loved it. But it was part time, Stephanie. It didn't even uh, offer me eight hours of work a day. It offered mm-hmm. me about four. They had shifts, you know, and I. Um, So I had to get a different job, and um, at a certain point, I had the opportunity to move into a different field, and that field was uh, child welfare. I had had the opportunity to step in to the earliest years of understanding what's called child abuse and neglect and uh, maltreatment of children, and I became a researcher in early childhood and in family development. So my life kind of took a a right turn and I went into a different field, but always with the early childhood lens and always with the eye on, um, supporting families in settings like childcare centers, like the home with parents. So I studied, uh, I did research for a group of, of Harvard University professors for about three years, and I learned an enormous amount. Um, and then I stayed in that profession for quite a few years until I returned to early childhood to um, be the director. I moved up from assistant director to be a director, but that was here in New Jersey. You know, oh, I say, then- yeah, I've gone to like a crooked path, but I've gotten there.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, the only analogy I could think of was, you know, your professional life was like early childhood Barbie, where one day you're an astronaut, one day you're a doctor, one you know, in it's true. sense of like it's true. I was you,
2: I I tried everything. I yes. stepped my toe into everything. And I, I was trying to be a healthcare organizer too in Boston. I tried everything. I wanted to get involved and and um you know I think you like you throw things until they stick. And you know my child welfare work informed everything that I did. But when I became the director of the Montclair Community Pre-K in 2001, that really stuck. (laughs) That was where I wanted. I meant I was meant to
1: be. And with always the undercurrent of you, early childhood as the you know what you wanted to do as your passion.
2: Yeah, and also early childhood as a way to be the most supportive place for children and their families. So I had seen. The other side of that, which is when children aren't supported, when parents aren't supported, children are harmed, parents uh, have to be separated, children have to be separated from their parents. I saw all of that, and I knew that the early childhood center could be the place that prevented a lot of those things, that helped to prevent by being the place of nurturing education and caring.
0: Yes, and and that whole idea of going back to the that early experience when you were 17 and thinking about the memories that that brought up. And, you know, in addition to that little worm, it was the teamwork. It was the teamwork. And I'm just curious to know um, how that informed your work as a child care center director, that whole focus on the support of families and, and the idea of teamwork undergirding a great early child care environment. Um, can you talk to us about that? Yes. And, you
2: know, I, I, you know, over these six years of of working as program director, it has really reinforced for me a lot of the things that I was trying to do in the early 2000s that are now, you know, being standardized for early childhood. And it, it's uh, gratifying. I will say that, but um One of the things we did do at uh, our center was um, we made sure that every classroom was seen as a team, that there were two teachers in the classroom. They each had titles, for instance, but um, I tried to become more democratic in the titles and underscore the importance of having two people in the room. And, you know, even today, uh, with school districts taking on preschool um, as you know part of their um offering in public education this whole idea of team teaching has to be re reevaluated and looked at the, t- the districts need to understand that an early childhood classroom is solely dependent on having two people in the room you cannot have just one you know and we were talking yesterday about this, that, you know, like a fourth grade classroom might have one teacher and maybe someone else comes in to assist with a student. That is not how it works in early childhood. It's teamwork. Um, So there was in the classroom, Lori, to answer your question, that really was at the basis of it, is making sure that all the staff who worked in the classrooms felt that they had a role and that they were important to the flow of that class. So that was first. And then second, um, there was, you know, you're not able to pay a lot of uh, income for staff in child care. However, there were other ways that we tried to offer staff the kinds of environments and the kinds of uh, benefits that they may feel more included. And we included them in a lot of decisions that got made and, you know, how the school was run.
0: Yeah, I think that you've highlighted something that is so incredibly important and it's something that um, we frequently hear from our successful programs is it's that whole idea of the community culture and the center culture and that feeling of belonging That feeling of teamwork, that feeling of no matter my position here, I have a voice. Um, When you have leadership that truly believes that we work as a community to support our children and families um, and that we are all part of providing the highest quality that we can for children and that no matter what position you have, you the ability of you to be able to do it to excellence, that the support that comes from recognizing that everybody has a very important role to play in Mm. making this program the very best that it could possibly be.
2: Yeah. And it's motivating.
0: So I found
2: that holding this whole center, including myself, a standard and by the way you know i mean we had NACI at the time we were right. NACI accredited so we were holding ourselves to that standard which is very similar of course to grow J kids standards they're nationally accepted standards um but uh by motivating people to say there are these set standards and we're going to do everything we can every day to maintain those standards so for instance um I would never expect anything of anyone in the center that I wasn't willing to do. I did not go in and teach in classrooms. However, it's not that I was unwilling. I always wanted to make sure that we had, you know, teachers in the room. But I was willing to do almost anything to keep the center open and running. Another um, thing that we emphasized was acceptance. We were welcoming to everybody who walked into that building. Okay. And this was post 9-11. I will say exactly post 9-11 because I started on 9-10 or something, 9-9, 2001. So we still wanted to maintain that welcoming atmosphere within the confines of feeling safe, but um, people always commented to us about how welcomed they felt. at the, Like as soon as you walked in, you were buzzed in, somebody would greet you and say hello and ask up to you. Um, I don't think people with young children feel welcome all the time. They don't. You know, people see someone walk in with a little child in stores or in um, other places. And sometimes people aren't that friendly, you know. Um, So one of the things that we tried to do is make everyone feel welcome and feel that there was a pride to the school. And they would then adopt that pride as well. The children and the families all felt pride. And pride's an important thing to have.
1: Yeah um thinking and reminiscing about you know when you were younger and seeing your parents do the work and then you growing up in the professional field doing the work and now as a program director how do you feel about strategies that still work today still ring true today about children and families how can we be successful with what your dad has taught you back then and your parents Mm -hmm. taught you back then until now, are there still things that ring true that we can help our families and our, our children be successful?
2: Yeah. I think that, um, relationships, right? Stephanie, I think that that was at the cornerstone of my family's, uh, activism back then. they, Made uh, relationships with all different kinds of people in our community and my father's relationship. He was, as I said, a pediatrician, but his relationship with his patients was unique. He was uh, he, of course, back then he did um, house calls, so he got to know everybody's home. He walked right in, no matter what time, sometimes the middle of the night. My father would go out in the middle of the night and make house calls to people's homes. So that's a unique relationship. Uh, you know, we have our home visiting today. Well, a lot of that was probably, you know, shaped around the old fashioned house call that a doctor used to make. And they really knew the family. They knew You know, who was up at two in the morning and who wasn't and, you know, um, what was going on. So relationships uh, was something and and, um, basing um, the work that you do on the types of relationships that you have. Um, You know, another thing I learned from my mother was something called networking back in the now we everyone talks about networking. But back when she was doing it, she was really facilitating different disciplines uh, getting to know each other. And she did that through making relationships. And, um, it really helped. She was uh, one who really early on called for there to be services for families and children in schools, like merging those two fields, like the mental health field and the education field. She was always one to network. Um, And networking and relationship building are two things that today our Grow NJ Kids Enrolled Centers can really benefit. Um, One is networking with their outer community, with the people who are outside of their center, who's in your community and who can you network with. For instance, One thing that I believed in early childhood and running the center was that children that age, and uh, this could be controversial, didn't need to go on buses to go on a trip. Uh, They're little children. There is so much within 20 steps of your center or even a few blocks of your center that would interest children. An empty lot might interest children. Um, So, right in our neighborhood, for instance, They they um, knocked down a a famous building in the middle of Montclair called the Haynes Building. And we took the children over and they watched them knock down the building. Do you think there was anything more fun than walking over and watching them knock down a building? And then we watched them build a garage right across the street from our uh, uh, child care center. Children's environments are what. It has to be relevant to them. Getting on a bus and driving for for an hour to go pick an apple isn't really relevant to the child's experience. Um, So I did learn early on, and I learned this from um, a famous educator named Lillian Katz. And if you look up Lillian Katz and you read some of her work, she is very, very focused on what is the purpose What you're doing? What's the purpose of taking these children there? What's the purpose of having this kind of material in your classroom? And I learned over the years at the child care center that following the interests of the children was the best way to reach educational um, uh, success in early childhood. And of course, now you see all these uh, curriculum that are written very much from that point of view high scope teaching strategies are all written from the child emergent view
1: I was just gonna say to what you just said about you know intentionality but also using the child's environment to kind of have them have them lead you into their world and their discussion and exactly. I think we are trying our best as you know educators who are teaching educators to to do that so I think that's a really good point
2: well, and uh, the educator themselves has to be able to give up a certain amount of control when it comes to being a, a uh, someone who adopts the, that type of curriculum. And I do want to uh, mention that when I came to the Montclair Community Pre-K, they had already been using a curriculum uh, that was based on the work of Dr. Howard Gardner at Harvard, and he talks a lot about the eight areas of intelligence and the eight ways people learn not learning style, it's more than that. It's more about uh, uh, someone's approach to learning. And the preschool had already adopted this approach and every classroom um, used Howard Gardner's uh, eight areas of intelligence to set up their studies. You know, in teaching strategies, they call it learning studies, or I can't remember what they call it, but. We were doing that before teaching strategies that have been written it by taking the eight areas of intelligence, finding out what the children knew about a certain subject, and then mapping it on a web and finding activities that fit into those eight areas of intelligence. And I know you're going to ask me what they are, and I... I think I can't remember them all. So you're gonna, I'm gonna refer people to look up Dr. Howard Gardner and his eight areas of intelligence and see how you could make that fit into your early childhood classroom, cause you can.
0: Yeah, Eve, I'm, I'm just seeing like the that whole idea of the linkage. I'm, I'm just drawn back to your 17 year old <laughs> self and that work <laughs> and that, that idea of following a child's interest that, you know, continued to your time as a child care center director. And I'm just thinking about how that aligns with the Grown New Jersey Kids Program and our work at the TA Center, where technical assistance specialists are really following the program's interest and that, you know, we go in, whether we're working with a family child care provider, a district, a Head Start, a child care center in the community where we are helping our programs to vulnerably and reflectively look at what they're doing. We're not there to make huge changes and tell them, you know, what to do from a top down, but we're there to come alongside them and help them to um, figure out what it is they want to work on in order to improve quality and, you know, provide a more robust program for their children and families. And that idea of, yeah, following that interest, you know, do we want to improve this area? Do we want to improve that area? Um, just so many, so many connections. Yeah. And
2: I, I, I have to say that um, when I first came aboard, as you said, I came aboard uh early in the process. I had already knew about quality rating improvement systems, and I was excited because I I really have looked for a long time for there to be a standardized way to look at quality in early childhood. I think we need to have some agreements. Um, and that doesn't, though, take away the uniqueness that each center can, can create for themselves. So I do see the early childhood leader as someone who feels confident of their own uh, philosophy, uh, they they're knowledgeable about what quality standards are, and they take those two and put them together to create the culture of that center, as you said. And, you know, um, over the years, you know, I've see, been able to see from both sides. So when I hear about the Grow on J Kids standards and about TA. I can also step back and think about, well, what would it have been like for me as a director, you know, to enroll and grow NJ kids? And I can see both sides now. I don't know that I could have when I was a director as easily as I do now from taking on this role as the program director. Um, But one thing I do see it as an opportunity. I see it as an opportunity to do your own work on your you know, look at yourself and say, what kind of center do we want to be? Not what kind of center does my TA want us to be? Not what kind of center does DFD want us to be, the Division of Family Development, or not what, the, what we call the rating, New Jersey Quality Rating Center wants me to be, but what do we want to be? And I believe we have, um, in our TA center in the north, created that atmosphere of the TAs asking and working, as you said, I like the term, alongside the director to examine that and find out and see where what they are doing fits. With the Grow NJ Kids standards. For me, having an early childhood system that brings together all of the different types of ways that people provide care, nurturance, and education to children under five is crucial at this point. It's crucial. And we've been moving this direction for over 20 years. And New Jersey was a leader in providing public preschool education, and we want to remain a leader. And in order to remain a leader, we have to take seriously our commitment to um, educating young children in any environment that they're in and supporting the people who do that. And Growing J Kids is a support i i i um I want to emphasize to directors and those who are involved in growing j kids that it is not something that is uh being placed over you on top of you to uh weigh you down or to burden you. It is there for you to support you and give you the opportunity to examine your own practice and you do have a practice early childhood is a practice it is something you can. Work on, get better at, and um, enjoy.
1: Uh, bottom line, enjoy. Early childhood as a practice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that. That's fantastic. I really love that. Um, being, being a program director and being so involved in early childhood in the field, seeing all the facets of, of this work. Is there one area you think we've become so successful and we've come so far? And then what's an area where you feel like we haven't moved the mark yet and we, sh- we need more practice on, more to work more on?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we have, as I said, come so far in, in um, uh, starting to standardize practice. But uh, however, I don't like to use but, however, um, we need to work. More to unify. We need to unify ourselves. We are not like, oh, I am a public preschool teacher. Oh, I am a private center provide. I am a home provider. I'm. I work at a Head Start. We all do the same thing. We all have similar goals. Um, I think we've come a long way in a lot of ways uh, in terms of of that. I, I think we've also come a long way in seeing the type of professionalism that is necessary in order to provide quality early childhood. The the idea of professionalism in our field has been controversial for years, years and years, decades. Um, How we are viewed by the public uh, is a challenge. And once you're viewed by the public, that's uh, easy to take on the mantle of whatever they put on you and um when you have people in the public eye uh not recognizing the worth of the work that we do and that has been true over the years so i have hope uh stephanie because right now the national conversation is going the other way and people are using the term child care they are they are substituting um Daycare and and because the reason I uh, emphasize so much language is that the word daycare uh, the phrase was used <clears throat> to separate mothers who worked from mothers who didn't and it it, it had a negative connotation for a long time uh, by saying well your children have to go to daycare was a way to separate ourselves from uh, others who who didn't have to for whatever reason or didn't choose to. So when we use a more neutral term like childcare, we can get at the fact that we all, all families need their children to be enrolled in quality programs that will enhance their learning and provide quality environments. So um, I think we have come a long way. And the fact that, a federal bill that's, you know, being considered in Congress right now has already passed one house of Congress has in it provisions for universal preschool and for supporting childcare and childcare providers is uh, historical, even if it's, you know, and I know we're in the midst of a, you know, right now trying to get, get seeing what happens. However, the fact that it's even written into the law is brand new since it hasn't been anything like that since, and I will tell you, 1968. So if you look at how many years ago that was, and you can all do the math, nobody's mentioned child care. It's only been mentioned uh, under the guise of Head Start or community block grants. But it's so much more than just a community block grant issue. Um, it's it's it goes to much wider public, and you know it's unfortunate that a pandemic, a serious challenge to our safety and health, had to underscore the need for quality child care. But that's what happened, so I do see hope, and I also see um that those of us who've labored long and hard in this field getting recognition and uh, our family care providers, our child care directors. Are finally getting recognized as the community resource that they have always been, and being appreciated for the struggle that uh comes with opening a center mm-hmm. okay, I talked a little too long there, sorry,
0: no eve like what you said just resonated so much, and I know you and I have talked before as as two. Well-seasoned professionals, we have been in this field for a long time and we have had the privilege of seeing the needle moving. And especially, as you said, in the last 20 years, um, the hope that we hold for a better day um, in spite of the temporary and, and temporary challenges that we are facing right now in a very trying worldwide pandemic. There is so much hope. Because the incredibly important work of um, the early childhood workforce is finally being recognized and um, celebrated and and looked at and, and supported. And I know that we still have a ways to go, but we are moving in the right direction, which brings me so much hope as well. Yeah,
2: I agree. And I think... Um... That growing j kids uh provides some of that hope and I, I it is my uh belief that going forward, an early childhood rating system will enhance everyone everyone. Right now, you know, you can choose to enroll. um, It it is not required. However, looking to the future, I believe these standards will be in place if you want to open a center. um, And that's what we need. We need people who are going to uh, all agree to a certain level of um, quality when you open any type of program for children birth to to age five. I also hope, by the way, that another thing that will happen is we will start becoming more connected with the prenatal community, the community that takes care of families before they become a family. And, you know, I say this all the time, but it's so important to have not only a birth plan, but a child care plan. So, you know, we work very hard to help Expecting parents work out how they're going to have this child, where they're going to have this child, you know, uh, what kind of birth they want to have, or even if they're adopting a child, what's going to happen around that part of it. However, we don't go to the next part, which is, well, how will you, as a family, work out your childcare plans? Because everybody needs them, even if you're at home with your child, you need other people on whom you can rely at stressful times. I think there's people on this call right now who can relate to the fact that they weren't expecting something to happen to their child and they needed support. They needed help. So a child care plan can help you do that because it's not just a child care center. It's on whom can I rely when Situation A comes up, situation B comes up. And I talked a lot to parents about this when I ran a child care center about having the backups, always having the backups. But a child care plan, I'm hoping that we can include the prenatal uh, health community uh, and others in joining together with the early childhood community to create an entire a ring of safety for these families. That's what they deserve. That's what they should have.
1: I have a question that could push a button for you, but I think this is, this is good. This is where, this is where we should bring this out. Um, Speaking of the importance of connections and importance of childcare, what do you say to someone who undermines or minimizes the role that a really good quality center or a quality teacher can play in the life of a family or a child?
2: Well, it would depend on what they what they actually said. Um, However, uh, what I would try to do is is uh, discuss uh, my experience of having uh, run a center and how often I hear from the parents who had their children there, even after their children are beyond college and they will stop me in the street. They will talk to me. I just saw one the other day in the supermarket who Stopped me. I mean, I had my mask on. I had two masks on, let's be honest. And she stopped me to tell me how meaningful it was to her that um, I taught her children or had her children at the child center. And then when they graduated high school, I signed their diplomas because I was on the board of education. And she started to tear up telling me how much it meant to her to have the support that we gave at her early childhood center for the rest of her child's uh, time, uh, you know, getting through school. So those are anecdotal. Uh, you can also, you know, uh, cite literature that tells the same story. Um, I think you can cite um, instances of families who were impacted by Head Start in such a way that the parents themselves are now early childhood educators because they were welcomed into the um, early childhood center at Head Starts. Um, I think that you, want, you won't always convince everyone. I think that um, what else is out there for to convince them, but not everybody is ever convinced by science, as we well know, uh, but there's science now that also is uh, quite uh, uh, convincing that tells a lot about brain development and the uh, impact of, of brain development in the early years. And even just talking about that can um, sometimes sway people, but not all people. And I don't expect to, uh, you know, Dr. Howard Gardner, just to bring him back into the com- conversation, he came to visit our early childhood center. We actually had a visit with Dr. Howard Gardner. He looked through our whole school and he talked to our teachers and one of the teachers said, ask that exact question, Stephanie, what. Do we say to parents who say, you're not teaching my child anything? You're not. I want my child to know their colors and their ABCs. And that why aren't they learning that? And Dr. Gardner looked us all in the face and he said, your school is not for everyone. And, you know, that really resonated for me because, you know, the truth is you can't be everything for everybody. And if somebody is not convinced by the experience their child is having that they're, you know, that um, it is worthwhile, then our school is not for you. It helped me. It freed me. It freed me because I said, you know, I have to be confident in who we are, this whole team of people and who we, what we represent as a center. And you are free to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Now, hopefully, Somewhere else will also have quality as well, but maybe not.
0: (laughs) Oh gosh, Eve. This has been such an amazing conversation. And I love that Stephanie brought it back to the connection and the relationship. And then Howard Gardner, Dr. Howard Gardner. So I'm I'm thinking back to your father, the doctor, and how we kind of started this conversation talking about the importance that he placed on relationships and I'm just kind of drawing the connection between what we hear from our programs, our providers, our directors, our teachers, participation in Grow New Jersey Kids and how important that relationship is that they first develop with their quality improvement specialist and then they develop with their technical assistance specialist and that in spite of the different kinds of perks and benefits to being part of Grow New Jersey Kids, that Many programs feel that that relationship is the thing that is is so important. And then I'm also thinking about what you said about making that connection with prenatal Mm -hmm. and how I see the silver lining in this pandemic is that we have been able to deepen, strengthen, and create new connections with various parts of the field that support children and families through education, through healthcare, um through child welfare because suddenly we're able to be part of groups that would have taken all day to, you know, drive to and from a meeting across That's the state. Yes, yeah, so I see that in spite of our need for um, some social distancing at this time, we are becoming more connected. And more relationship based in a way that looks so hopeful to becoming a more comprehensive and cohesive system, supporting all of New Jersey's children Mm -hmm. and families moving forward. Yeah and I w- I hope that providers will take from this
2: that they're not alone. They are not alone that 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 so many are facing similar challenges and that one thing our TA center can offer you is to break out of that isolation and share. And the TA can guide that they can offer you uh peer learning communities, they can offer you opportunities um to uh, hear from others about how they may be handling some of the day-to-day kind of things that I know we all know people are facing, but RTAs are are very mindful and thoughtful about um, uh, their role. And they, you know, to me, it's so important that the 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 wider community understand our role, and we are not there to dictate, and we are not there to um, to criticize. You know we are there to support.
1: I will say this conversation has recharged my battery oh, um, when it comes to <laughs> you know, its being inspired and um having the sense of of just wanting to do more with networking and activism and mental health and just wanting to learn more. And if I, if this conversation brings nothing else, i I would hope it would tell people, do I know enough am i am I doing enough for my families and children am i am I listening enough or or hearing enough from people so this was just a wonderful conversation um and so so relevant to what we're going through now
2: isn't that nice that's great i mean i i i um I think about those things all the time and, you know, there are, you know, I'm teaching a course right now on how to be an advocate for children. And, you know, there are many different styles. Advocacy comes in different ways and in different styles. And if you are a, a preschool or a child care director, there are so many things you can do. Um, you know, people think advocacy is being adversarial. It's not. It's being, uh, you know, it's finding a way to give voice to to what's going on. And I think that um, child care directors are in a unique spot to do that because I admire them, I respect them, and I think they do an awesome, awesome job.
1: I love that. Thank
0: you so much, Eve. This has been so enlightening and, as Stephanie said, so inspiring. We are so blessed to have you as the leader of our Technical Assistance Center. I think that um, you bring that, that concept and that deep, deep knowledge of teamwork to our team. And we are, are really grateful. So thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Take care.